Welcome, episode 50 of the Between Two Wheels podcast, cycling news, commentary, analysis, uh, interviews from Northern California, but coming to you from wherever you are. This episode is brought to you by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com slash BTW to support the show and learn more. And as always, subscribe and share the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, whatever podcast service you use. And for this week, we're also back on the uh, Between Two Wheels podcast uh, YouTube channel as well. You know, I, uh, Chris, I listen to some other shows that broadcast from their basement, some professional cyclists. We don't. We take the effort to go out to at least Copy Republic right. and or my office. We travel. Yeah. Oh, we travel. Yeah, we, we did it in a hotel room. And I think the sound quality is yeah, better than... I'm Tyler Yonke. Welcome to the Between Two Wheels podcast. Chris Flower in studio with me today. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's Friday for us. It's sunny. It's 70. Uh, should be about the same over the weekend. So it's a, it's a nice turn in the weather here in, in NorCal over the past week. So I'm looking forward to, to a nice weekend. Yeah, we went from pretty cold. I mean, nice but cold weather in Chico. Well, the week before it was just rain. And right. then nice weather in Chico, but it was cold. Then we had some rain. And now it's like summer. Yeah, now it's a it's a beautiful spring summer day. So looking forward to taking advantage of it. Yeah, uh, Kurt, how you doing? Crickets, no Kurt for us today. So Kurt, however you are, wherever you are, send us a, a note. Hopefully you're doing well. Okay, so we're gonna tease a few things here real quick and then get to some commentary. Uh, we do have an interview that Chris conducted, um, at, and we'll get to that as well. But it was at the uh, time trial, the Tempest Fugit individual time trial last week is that correct that is correct down in uh, castro valley all right and you want to you want to mention who you spoke with yeah i talked to uh zach morvant he's with dolce vita and he was uh the winner of the uh, day spoiler and, oh, oh spoiler alert he he did well and it was it was nice of him to take a couple minutes to chat yeah and thanks for doing that okay so let's just talk about a few things here we've got going um first of all in the world tour old man valverde wins the volta a catalunya in spain uh, he seems a little rejuvenated, like he took uh, blood transfusions, maybe a 21-year-old during his uh, two-year cycling hiatus. Nobody uh, would do that. No one would no do one. that, no. But, uh, despite sup- having you know really strong showing in the Dwarves Door Vlanderen, um, he has decided now to pull out of the Tour of Flanders uh, this Sunday. Anyway, Peter Sagan won the Gent Wevelgem Classic uh, ahead of the biggest one-day race, the Tour of Ned Flanders, as uh, Homer Simpson's least favorite race coming up. And, and he literally made... Evian Viviani cry. Uh, Tour of Flanders is this weekend, Sunday. Uh, Lance Armstrong has backed out of attending some pre-race gala, gala due to family issues. Um, I don't know what those family issues are, but we can maybe get into that later. Uh, locally, we had the Tempest Fuji individual time trial. It was dominated by Zachary Morvant. Uh, Chris, like I said, interviewed him, and Chris also took part in that, so we can talk about that. You have some insights from that race. Uh, and then the one week after the... Um, actually, it's more than a week after uh no it was the next week after right. cop or uh chico stage race chris Riker and teams mike's bikes just goes out and dominates the santa cruz uh classic and um i you know in our interview with chris he had said he did what did he say he uh, more watts than you can imagine well i think he he replicated that again in the santa cruz crit and we'll, we'll get i, I to think that. he may have added watts to more watts than you can imagine <laughs> so i'm not sure what the next level is well but, but you he know hit it. as math you know there's infinite and then there's infinite plus one right That's true yeah so yeah. i think he went he went the extra step uh, anyway smashed the p12 field uh, the women's and men's masters were also dominated by tmbe so we'll get to that as well 
And then we're going to remind you of some of the NorCal calendar and some of the uh, World Tour races coming up, uh, as long as uh, group rides uh, in your area. All right, let's begin this thing. What do you think? I- I'm ready. Let's hit it. All right. Uh, Volta Catalunya. So we had a uh, seven-day stage race in Spain, some bad weather going on there. We're just we're going to go to it real quick and just break this down. But Alejandro Valverde, a uh, movie star, ends up dominating. He beats his teammate, Nairo Quintana, by 29 seconds. However, uh, Egan Bernal of Team Sky was in second place by 16 seconds going into the last day, crashes out. Um, he seems to me to be kind of the next up-and-coming uh, star. I mean, if you think about it, and I wonder how long he's going to end up staying with a team like Sky being Colombian. I, I would assume he'll be there for a while. Um, he's getting marginal gains like the rest of the team and, and kind of growing into the next GC superstar. So I can see him hanging around for a bit, learning the ropes, and then maybe stepping into uh, a role where he would take on the Giro or maybe the Vuelta and just kind of show what he's got. Um, it's it's going to be, a, I think, a situation of Froome's still going to be the, the dominant guy for the team, but somebody like Bernal could, can step in and, and backfill some of those, not to call them mid-tier Grand Tours, but he, he can definitely provide some support for the team there. Well, these seven-day stage races, Pyrenees, you know, Catalonia, yeah. Pais Vasco coming up. Uh, yeah, it would just be interesting to see what a guy like that with such prominence uh, coming in, going through the Sky Factory and see how long he'll be able to hold I He's already looked amazing. Tour down under right. some of these other races. So, would you see him going to like Movistar or something like that instead? Well, th- you see that with the Colombians, right? They tend to end up going to like a Spanish-speaking um, team, just right. a little bit more along the lines. I did hear that he had been really working on his English, so he might have kind of taken a, a step forward of not having you know insecurity being on that team already. So, anyway, he looked good. Um, just some highlights that I show here. Um, Simon Yates, uh, Mitchell and Scott, one stage seven. It was pretty cool in the uh, in the rain. Uh, Magic Ma- Mahorik, Bahrain Merida, easy for me to say. I don't know if you saw, we had a, talked about him before. He was doing like 90 some kilometers an hour. Right. In he was blistering in this race as well on some descents, uh, catching up to breaks. He had, I also looked through there, he had four times he was in the top nine on out of you know seven total stages so he was and a lot of that was some of his descending skills pretty good um i've already won two stages along the way uh i did hear this just yesterday um team trek sigafredo member markel iziar aramburu his cousin died in a freak avalanche accident it was uh the day before stage five hmm. and stage five went right through that area that he died oh wow so they kind of rode through there they dedicated that race to him and yalinson pantano ended up getting off the front um and actually winning that day dedicated to his teammate and his cousin so it's kind of a cool thing uh i don't even know if we want to say this but i guess brent brookwalter had put out a tweet kind of mocking the spanish and their uh, adoration of valverde um <laughs> I don't even know if we want to get into that, but it's, it's for me, actually, it was kind of cool to see that, you know, uh, Valverde, you know, very old, well, he's 37 for, for a pro tour and he's winning like crazy. Uh, you know, he had a knee accident, just damaged his kneecap last year's Tour de France and he seems to be no worse for the wear. So I'm always skeptical on these guys and I guess some in the pro peloton are as well. You don't believe in miracles. That's disappointing. No, I, I agree. It's, uh, it seems like it's it's hard to believe some of the performances, but I guess we just have to wait and see. I guess we all tend to do that sometimes. I I was really following along with the 
<laughs> the Floyd Landis uh, <laughs> trial at the time. Wondering anyway, we won't get into that. Um, getting Wevelgem results, we'll just say Peter Sagan, uh, the Borhansgrohe rider, won the 250-kilometer Wevelgem in a small bunch kick over some pretty serious contenders. Uh, Elian Elia Viviani, uh, Arnold Demar. Um, there was Sacha Modulo was up there, and then um, coming over the finish. Uh, Viviani banging his bars and literally s- cried over this. I saw that. Yeah, it looks like, um, yeah, obviously he was disappointed to lose. Um, I-, I read a bunch of uh, interviews with him after the fact, and, you know, he-, he came away basically saying he he really feels like he let the team down because they did a great job kind of protecting him through the finish, getting him set up in a great position. And, you know, in the, coming into the finishing straight, he took a less than optimal line is kind of what he thought after the fact where, you know, had he been better positioned, he thinks oh, he had he the got legs boxed in. Everybody gets boxed in. Right. Um, yeah. He, uh, he, he said he, he took a, a followed a line with uh, Demar and kind of got pinched up against the barriers and just was able to sneak through. But if he had taken a better line, he probably would have taken the win because he felt like he had better legs. But yeah, the, the disappointment was pretty obvious in, in, the moments after the race when he saw his reaction. You know, if, he, if he's going to say that it was because his teammates did so much work and that he, um, you know, disappointed to let them down, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, but he was, he may have been the fastest sprinter, but there is just something about Sagan. And, you know, you get a long distance race like that and the sprints just play out a little bit different. And Definitely, yeah. When those guys <laughs> have 200 kilometers or whatever in their legs, they're they're going to be a little slower. And Sagan definitely has the... Uh, that extra oomph. One of the things I found amusing was uh, Viviani was talking about the finishing sprint and how he was following Demar up against the uh, the barriers. And he said that the the space was a little too small, so he just closed his eyes and and went through. And it, it kind of took me back to that interview you had with um, with Justin Williams, closing his eyes in the last corner. So maybe that's kind of one of the the secrets of being a good sprinter is just close your eyes and, and hope for the best. I hope not. <laughs> it's a little army to, to hear that these guys are closing their eyes in the last 150, 200 meters of a race. Yeah, all you young kids out there that are listening to this, don't don't think that you have to close your eyes going into the corners. You can keep them open and, and look for the best line. But that's uh, interesting to hear. Uh, okay, so then we had the women's Gent. Uh, seventh year that they've had that. They did 142.5 kilometers, uh, six of the tough cobbled halogen along the way in the, the cobble climb of the Mottenberg. Mont- uh, the top three were Marta Bastianelli of the Ale Cipollini team, Julian Dehor of the Michelin Scott, and Lisa Klein of Canyon SRAM Racing. Did you get a chance to see? You probably didn't. I don't even think you saw much of the Ghent itself. Just to- I didn't. I didn't see much of either. I just kind of played catch up on, on some of the various uh, media outlets. And I, it looked like it was a pretty well-contested finish uh, in the women's race as well. But Yeah, it was a, it was a, looked like a big bunch sprint, so. Uh, anyway, congrats to them. And so Flanders, we got Tour Flanders coming up. Uh, it's classic season, of course. So we've got this. You know, they call it the. It, I was looking at some research on this. You know, we talked about this a little bit ago, where um, it, it, the Om Loop came about because of the Nazi occupation of Belgium and their involvement in the Tour de Flanders. The police and they love that that sport, so they wanted to kind of separate. And so they, um, they being some of the Belgians, so they created the Om Loop. Well, the whole idea of the the Tour of Flanders, though, they wanted a Flemish only. They wanted the whole race to just be in, in showcase the Flemish portions of Belgium, Belgium being split between French and, and Flemish. And but the Tour of Flanders, the name is uh, the Ronde van Vlaardien. So I looked that up. And it's, that's Dutch. 
does how does Dutch how does your Flemish only nationalistic race come up with a Dutch name to describe it? And I don't know all the ins and outs of the languages there throughout the country, but um, that seems a little odd to me. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I could not. I tried to look at multiple places. That appeared to be what. Uh, anyway. Um, great race. Some people love it. Some people say it's the best race, the classics. Um, some a little bored with it, but I, I like it. I think it's a great race. There's a lot of opportunity for different types of riders to win. Um, and it's, it's just brutal. It's, it's a great race to watch. Yeah. And I was listening to, and I'll, I'll throw out this, uh, cycling news, uh, podcast. And I think it was with Ed Pickering. He wrote a whole book on the tour of Flanders. I think this 2011 and he was ba- breaking down that, um, the way that those cobbles are and that the, how they're steep, it really requires like a lot of seated power. So you get a, a different type of rider because you should go to stand up. You're going to spin out on them. So you see, uh, you know, Johan Museo, Boonen, Kanzler, the last three consecutive, you know, they're all three time winners and that's, guys that can really generate that kind of power right um, and you say different types of uh, riders come along um nibbly is is signed up to do the race yeah it seems like it's the one where he has the opportunity to do well and it was interesting to see that valverde was considering it but then then pulled out um he'd be another guy that'd be a, a good contender for this race yeah i mean those both of those guys seem to go along just fine uh it'll be interesting to see how nibbly does with this I, what's the reason for him doing it did you read anything about that or <sighs> I didn't really look even have any speculation, much, but a good training miles. Um, if he wanted to get some, uh, some miles in his legs on, on rougher terrain as kind of a, a primer for tour de France. Uh, that's one option. Uh, another one is who else on that team's got a better shot. Uh, I well, mean, yeah, they're not necessarily built for that type of race. So it's maybe it's like, well, this, this you, you might be our best option. Sonny Cabrelli. I don't know maybe it's hard to say i I don't know so anyway you're gonna see some uh sagans van abermatz oliver nason tish benute um i don't know who else you have in that we can go through the list of the the multiples on there uh like i said nibbly it'll be interesting to see i I just don't think the preparation for the tour de france is necessary to go through since it's going to be on some cobbles that you need to do the flanders race but what if he wrecks in this thing you know hits some cobbles and goes down and cracks it a knee or something like that and then he's out of the tour because he was fiddling around with flanders yeah that'd be that'd be a bummer um in terms of the guys that are in there i always root for sep van mark i, I yeah, like his yeah. racing style he's he's very aggressive probably sometimes to a fault um but it'd be it'd be good to see him get a, a good win he's been in the mix the last few weeks as well yeah education first and i saw he just signed a, a two-year extension yeah maybe that'll give him a little extra motivation so he, sure, that's what you need for <laughs> motivation. Okay. So that's, and then, um, coming up, uh, after Flanders, uh, we have kind of two big races that are, uh, completely opposite of each other. You have, um, obviously, um, the next weekend, a master's golf is the same day as Perry Nice. Yes. So I always get a kick out of the comparison, you know, someone wins uh, the golf championships and then, and then whoever wins, uh, or the wins the Masters and whoever wins uh, Perry Nice is always a comparison of how much prize money was, the <laughs> and it's it's not even close. But, no, no. You know. Um, anyway, you have Perry Robay, and then you have Pies Basco, which is another I think seven day stage race. Um, I think it's in the Basque Country. And have you ever seen the hat that the winner gets to that? I have. Yeah, that's quite the. That's that's a nice win. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it, but pretty cool. Okay, Northern California, we've got a bu- group rides. We, we went on the Folsom bike. You've done a few in the Folsom area, 
I did the Wednesday night ride out of uh, Folsom Bikes. But what other ones are, are here? We have um, River Ride. And we're just going to say ours. Maybe you guys can chime in on our Facebook of the rides you guys do. I know there's a bunch over in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, in Sacramento, we've got options aplenty. Um, you've got the River Ride, which goes Monday. You've got the South River Ride on Tuesday. You've got the River Ride on Thursday. And you've got the river ride on Saturday. Is there not a Wednesday? Uh, there isn't a Wednesday that I'm aware of. Um, there's also some midday ones that that do kind of river ride esque routes. Uh, also from I think they kick off at Discovery Park. I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but up in the hills we've got the um, the Sierra Nevada Folsom Bike Ride that takes place on Tuesday. Um, and then there's the Wednesday. Where's night that leave from? That leaves from Folsom Bike 5:30. And then there's also the Wednesday night Folsom bike race ride, which leaves from the same place, Folsom bike at 5:30, and it's the same route. It's just uh, a little more um, race oriented pace. So no, it's, they it's, both. It's I know the Wednesday one goes up Sierra College all the way, but does the other one? I was talking to Nabil the other day, and he was. I think they, they take the cutoff. Or we we took the cutoff this past week. There was some concern about uh, amount of daylight, so they usually build okay. into it. Gotcha. So. In the next couple of weeks, they'll start adding in the the full Sierra College loop. But yeah, it's it's been nice to have those back. They're a, you know, it's it's not great training per se, but it's a staple of my training diet. Just uh, get out and hammer for an hour and a half and and call it good. Well, for the time crunched uh, person like myself, those are vital for maintaining fitness. I mean, you, there's a 40 minute stretch in there where I could get some of my highest sustained power for the for the year easily when we hit the Sierra College, go up English Colony all the way out to, you know, un, down Auburn Folsom. Uh, yeah, it definitely. can be on. So it's you know, on Wednesdays. It's usually full gas. Um, no waiting. No. All right, so those are the ones we have around here. Uh, and then on the weekends, Coffee Republic, and you obviously have the River Ride, the stalwart of the, the valley. So Yeah, and those will be kind of intermittently attended just based on who's racing, racing. what that weekend. If yeah. there's a, a big local race, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, Coffee Republic had maybe five guys on it because everybody was racing Snelling or something like yeah. that. So, But then, then I will say that we had when we showed up the you know Wednesday – there was like 60 people, I want to say, something yeah. like that. It was ridiculous. It was a it was a good turnout. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, Santa Cruz that we had this last weekend. Let's just uh, drop through the results real quick. Do you have the uh, P12s at your... I do, yeah. If we want to do top five, uh, fifth sure. place, we've got Jeff Linder with Tarun Lee. Um, in fourth place, Zach Gotsman. He's with Mellow Motors. Third place, Garrett Hankins with Team Mike's Bikes. Second place, Steven Vogel with Team Mike's Bikes. And the winner was Chris Reichert with Team Mike's Bikes. And I wasn't at the race, but just kind of calling through some folks' kind of uh, race reports and, and data. It looks like he decided uh, he was going to take it solo from about minute he? 15, uh, Chris Reichert, yeah. and held off everybody for the duration of the race and put out some impressive power uh, through the uh, through the performance there. So really well well done on his part. Yeah, very well. And then you had, you know, the rounding out the podium there with Teams Mike's bikes uh, getting second and third on the, I think that was the field there. And Jeff Linder had, had a video, <clears throat> pardon me, a video of that. So you can, uh, the bike from on, on bike when he got fifth. So you can check that out on, on YouTube as well. Yeah, it looked like it was um, obviously a, a tough race, but uh, cold rain allegedly rolled through and maybe even some hail to, to mix it up. So on a course like that with some hairpin turns and technical descents, uh, 
Must have been an interesting race. Yeah, that first corner is a little more than a 90. It's like a 100 or yeah. 110 or 20 or something like that. So it's pretty tricky. A little downhill. Uh, and the women's, you had Team Mike's Bikes continued with Melanie Wong getting the win with an honorable mention. We're going to call this out here for uh, the Meteor Intelligentsia team uh, getting fifth, Kristen Arnold. Uh, we talked to them at the Chico stage race, and it was good to see some of them sticking around and doing some racing here. How about the uh, 35s? Uh, and the 35 plus, it looks like we've got the top four here handy. Uh, Aaron Patterson with Pete's, uh, Jeremy Cottle with Touchstone Racing in third. Second place was uh, Scott Cox with Team Mike's Bikes, and winner was Dana Williams also with Team Mike's Bikes. So, as you noted earlier, uh, Mike's Bikes had a great showing at that race. Yeah, so we decided to call them out on that. Uh, Tempest Fugit time trial. So you showed up there. I did. Yeah. And you raced our teammate, Travis raced. They had a ton of categories, but I I just, I was looking at times and stuff and it just looks like the two fastest times were literally the, the P one, two and the 35s. Yeah. So you can talk about both of those, give some updates on, uh, or the placings if you want to go through those and then, um, give us a little about what, how you did. Um, well your pacing, you want me to interview? I'll just interview you on that. Oh, Why don't you okay. give the placings oh. first? Uh, yeah. Well, you can start interviewing me while I, I pull up the placings here. Well, you, had you ever done the time trial? I hadn't done that time trial before, and I kind of made the mistake going into it thinking that it was pretty flat. Uh, didn't look at a course profile. Didn't look at anybody's Strava from previous efforts. Did you even ask your teammate? I did talk to my teammate, Travis, briefly beforehand, and he said, oh, there's there's some rollers on the way out. It's It's... Just go hard. Okay. It's an 11 mile TT. Um, it's five and a half out, five and a half back. And it's, it's more like three to 4% out, hmm. uh, incline. So the return is three to 4% back. So I just kind of went out and tried to target like a steady power output. Thinking is that kind of be... like the uh, time trial we do at in the cascade? This is it the skyline or one or the skyliners? It's yeah. I think skyliners a little steeper. Okay. Uh, there were some parts of skyliners where I could just get an arrow tuck and sit there for two minutes at 45 miles an hour. That wasn't really an option here. There was, there was definitely You're talking about downhill, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't go that fast uphill in a tuck. Um, but at, at this one, you you had fewer opportunities to just freewheel at high speed. Um, but it was a little wet. It was my first time on the course. And then in the last couple of miles, there's a, a few turns that I wasn't particularly comfortable with, having it be my first time going down them in the aero extensions at, at high speed. So I, I think course knowledge is is big on that one just knowing knowing the lines um, knowing where to put out power where not to put out power um, so my performance was eh, it wasn't terrible I, I think i was sixth place in the 35 plus uh, kind of looking at it after the fact you know i could probably knock some time off just by better um, course management so go out harder knowing that the return is going to have a lot of opportunity to to maintain high speed with low power and uh, you know talking to some folks after the fact they said oh yeah you definitely want to go out harder and and utilize that descent on the return and i think just being on the course more often and and knowing what the lines are through the turns helps as well so it's it's a fun event it was i mean it it, to the extent that you can call a time trial a fun event i mean you're literally just going out there and going as hard as you can for 20 25 minutes whatever ends up being so it's it was well run uh, and i enjoyed it so did uh well, how far, how was your time compared to the, the winner? 
Um, so it, I did the 35 plus only, um, and Zach Morvant won that. I think he put about two minutes on me. It's pretty good. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was, he was definitely moving. So he put two minutes and five seconds on me, which, which is pretty good effort on his part. Uh, so in the 35s, that's the race I did. Top three were Chris Evans with Tarun Elite, Travis Retzer with Data Driven Athlete, and Zach Morvant with Dolce Vita. Um, Zach and Travis were, were relatively close. Zach had a 24.54, Travis with a 25.08, and there was a pretty big gap to uh, to third place. Chris Evans with 26.39, so looking at a minute 31 between second and third, and there was about five of us within 20 seconds of each other from third to seventh place. So it was you know two guys were were clearly ahead of the rest so they they did really well and as you noted uh zach he also won the p12 he had a 2451 uh second place was kevin metcalf with 2507 metcalf is with uh pete's racing pete's coffee racing and then chris evans was third place in that race with a 2631 he's with Tarun elite so when i talked to zach um you know i just kind of asked him what what was your approach to the race? How did you, how did you handle it? And what was your objective? Um, so he, he kind of had the insight of, yeah, you got to go out harder, uh, knowing the course is going to have some descent on the return. So it was interesting to get his perspective. Cause he said, you know, he hasn't really done a lot of time trialing until, you know, the past year. Or so the last time he did this course was three years ago. So it was a, it was a tough event, but it was, it was well attended. Uh, and I think he said he was, his time was just a few seconds off in the two races. Yeah. And then I could did a little comparison of the, the P12 and the Masters 35. So it looks like Kevin Metcalf would have beat uh, Travis by a second uh, if they were all going, you know, pull those in together. So you would have had Zach still winning, Kevin Metcalf second, and Travis third. So it was a good, good effort by Travis on there as well. Yeah, and I, I talked to Travis a little bit afterward over coffee, and he was having some technical issues with his uh, his equipment. So he's he was having trouble getting his power meter to pair to his head unit, so he ended up just doing the, the RPE. He did RPE just by feel, and he ended up having his best time out there good. ever. Uh, so I don't <laughs> Is know. Is that if, something to say, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, crap that thing. Hi, this is Nate Dunn from Data Driven Athlete with a quick coaching tip. So I wanted to talk briefly about using RPE or rate of perceived exertion to guide your workouts. Now, oftentimes RPE offers advantages to using power to guide your workouts because it takes a 360 degree picture of how you're feeling on the bike. So it helps to incorporate different stress you might be feeling, uh, different fatigue that you might be feeling as you bring on the bike, and it gives you kind of some extra leeway to follow how you feel as opposed to following a specific power target that might not do the best job of taking into account other life factors. So if you want to read a little bit more about how to use RPE in your workouts, you can head over to our website at datadrivenathlete.com, click in the search box, type in RPE, and you can you can find different ways to use RPE uh, to uh, offer some contrast or offer some variety to your training and to help you get faster on the bike. Thanks. All right, at the end of here, we'll, we'll post in the interview with Zach. It's pretty good. So uh, just forgive us for a little bit of wind noise at the beginning, but it does dissipate, and then we're good to go. Yeah, it's it's just a short talk with him. Uh, it was just after the podium presentation. It was windy. It was really cold. He was still in his skin suit, and uh, I appreciate him taking a couple minutes to, to talk about his his efforts and his, his race experience that he, he had on the day. So it's 
didn't want to take up too much of his time and, and give him hypothermia or something. And we appreciate him talking to us as well. So uh, there is another one coming up too, right? A beat the clock or something like time trial coming up. Yeah. So that's a regular occurring series. I don't know the number that they have. Uh, I think five or six events that they do out uh, along the Crystal Springs Reservoir along, I think it's Highway 280 that's over there. Um, but that that's coming up and I know it's, it, it gets some good attendance as well. And it's a pretty well used 10 mile course. So I think, you know, if you can go out there relatively frequently, you've got a, a good opportunity to compare yourself to a bunch of really good time trialists. I, it seems like Jeremy Cadell is, is promoting that, or I, I was seeing him kind of pushing that one online. So maybe he has something to do with the, the organization of that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I thought it was put on by the SunPower guys, but I don't know that for a fact. We should probably ask him before we just start saying, hey, contact Jeremy for a question. He knows it all. He knows it all. So I'm standing here with Zach Morvan. And who do you race with? I race with Dolce Vita Freewheel, paid by SL2. Okay, and what categories did you race today? I raced in the Pro 1 2 category as well as the Master 35 Plus 1 2 3. Okay, and I'm standing here and I see a couple of medals around your neck. So that's usually indicative of a good day. So tell me about your day. Yeah, I had a, had a great day. Um, I uh, got a good night's sleep, woke up pretty early, um, headed over here, did my usual warm-up, listened to uh, a little bit of Motorhead to get myself pumped up, and then, uh, yeah, hit the start line first for the, uh, for the P12 race. Okay. And it, I assume you've done this course before? I have. It's been a few years. Okay. Um, I, last time I did it was as a Cat 3. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a little, little bit technical. It's a fun course. Yeah, I like it because you can really, uh, you know, put the power out going right. up, and then on the way down, you got to practice your technical skills and taking some some potentially gnarly turns in the sticks. Yeah, it was. Uh, this is my first time doing the course. I, uh, I I've got to learn it a little better before I put a good effort. But yeah, uh, P one two race. You you got a first place medal there, so you you did well. Um, any idea on how you kind of uh, paced yourself out, just kind of power up and then cruise back down, or, or how'd you play it? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say I cruised back down, but I definitely, uh, I definitely split it so I put out more power on the way up. Okay. Um, I feel like that's where you can make make sort of the biggest difference, especially knowing in the past um, how the turns can be kind of wet, especially yeah. given today's conditions and, and the way they were three years ago. It was, sure. it was pretty similar. I knew uh, I'd have to get get on the brakes for a couple of those gnarly turns at the bottom. So best yeah. to uh, really put the power down going out. Definitely, I would agree with you on that. And then, what was the the lag time between? The start of your P12 race and the start of the 35 plus 123. Did you have enough time to cool down, or did you have to do another warm up? Um, I had about I had about 17 or 18 minutes, I oh. think. So I uh, fortunately I'd gotten the uh, the spray glue for my numbers yeah. the uh, the other day, so it was a pretty quick uh, quick number change, and then just kind of keeping the legs spinning, um, okay. so I didn't cool down too too much, which was difficult. It was as you know, it was, it was cold here. Yeah, it was it was very chilly at the start. Um, time differences between the two runs? Uh, about three seconds. Oh, wow. Okay, so you were able to kind of hit a good power number and, and stay on that. Then. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on uh, taking two wins on the day. Well, thank it's, you it's very a much. Good take and uh, look forward to seeing you out at other TTs and other races. So Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks. Right on. Have a good one. Yeah. Upcoming in uh, Northern California, we have Copperopolis this weekend. It's kind of the NorCal's version of some sort of European classic. The roads are in horrible shape. and Everybody it's a tough says man. it's like the, what? The hell of Northern California. Yeah. It's supposed to be the, the rival to Perry Roubaix. It goes off at the right time, you know, kind of yeah. classic season, but obviously a bit more climbing in that race than Perry Roubaix. Yeah. I'm not doing it. I, I'm not either. We have family uh, things going on, but uh, I think Talansky was out there last year doing that for some reason. Uh, he was, yeah. yeah. 
So it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see. There's just some behind the scenes. We've got a guy, uh, Stefan Creason, who you can check out his podcast. I don't know if he's partying the night before, but he's really focused on. He's upgrading to a two. His last race is a three. Um, we have another friend, Yatwa, uh, who just upgraded. So it'll be his first race as a two. That'll be interesting to see. Good luck to him. Yeah, that's a tough race to have as your uh, first P12 event. Yeah. Uh, How do you do? I think it's uh, almost 100 miles that they're having the P12 guys I think do. So. Yeah. And it's a pretty highly targeted race for guys. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a brutal event. I'm pretty sure Talansky's not going to be doing the race this year. He's, He's doing uh, like cannabis or something now no he's pitching cannabis but he's he's racing triathlons and i think his first real pro event is coming up not this weekend but the following at the uh, iron man oceanside oh that'll be interesting to see so, how that works out yeah uh otherwise we have uh, i did you look at reg for copperopolis i know like local we have you know timmy bauer um he's gunning for that so we'll see how he does yeah there was um not a huge turnout i was kind of surprised given the fact that it's a, a pretty uh, well-regarded race. I think there was 37 in the P12. Mike Spikes has a pretty strong team going into mm-hmm. that. Dolce Vita has a handful of guys. Um, I think Timmy's the only representative from Oak Valley uh, Community Bank, and then Yacht was in there as a solo as well. The 35 race, I was surprised to see the turnout was less than 20. Um, I'm not sure if it's just not fitting guy's schedule with uh, Chico a couple weeks ago. Easter. That can, as well, yeah. These are family men that may you know not have the leash Right. So, um, but it does look like the guys that are showing up are all high quality. So it's going to yeah. be a, a brutal event. So show up there. Maybe I should register. I get a top 20. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Let's... I'm always looking for. <laughs> oh, I have to finish. That's the problem. Might not be able to do that. Right. Okay. So, uh, then we have some, some crits and some other things coming up. Visalia. We talked about that before. You know, check it out online, support the race if you can. Uh, the same weekend we have Winchester on Saturday. Um, it's one of the new races it goes around the Winchester golf course up in, uh, Auburn. It's a, it's great road surface it's really one of my favorites uh last year they're a church kind of where uh, everyone stages they actually i think the last few years have come out and made food for people so it's they kind of the community is kind of embracing it hey you finally have a community that's not you know they're not shooting uh, golf balls at you while you're racing they're not upset so it's you know embrace this race uh, keep it going yeah it's a it's a it's a really fun one like you said it's it's a tough course super tough yeah i mean there's there's a five to seven minute climb each lap and it's a full gas effort, but at the same time, on the backside, there's a really fun descent. So if yeah. you get dropped, you can still have fun. And the, like you said, the community really does embrace it. They yeah. pull out the lawn chairs and and cheer you on as you go around. So it's 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 one where I think as more folks come out to it, it'll be uh, more and more um, welcomed. I think that would be a really and and then the next day we have the Auburn Crit, which is kind of your same hard man, you know, climby, fast descent downtown crit, and I. I would, it would be really cool to see both these kind of flourish. I mean, can you imagine Winchester with like a really good P12 field um, up that climb? You get a bunch of people and just like, you know, every few minutes they're coming by again, just dogging it. And uh, that'd be awesome. That'd be pretty cool it's venue right there. Yeah, it's a it, it's a great venue. It's like you said, road service is smooth. So if they had like a, a huge high quality field, I think it'd be a really exciting race. Yeah. So uh, we'll be there. So that'll be really exciting on I, our part. I think so, yeah. You know, we Definitely. found out, I talked to a guy, um, Josh Flood. I haven't actually spoken with him, but he got in contact with me. He's got a website. It's called sackbikefans.com. You can check it out. I'm just just now kind of cursing through it uh, the last few days a little bit, posting a lot of the race stuff up there himself. Um, I don't know if it's a labor of love or if he's <laughs> getting anything out of this, but it's pretty 
pretty cool. So sackbikefans.com, check it out. I've get nothing from this. I just thought I'd pass that info along. Um, maybe I'll look at it a little closer and maybe I'll uh, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So Josh, uh, you never know. Uh, no, so some big winners, losers of the week. Um, Chris, would you have any uh, winners that you'd like to mention? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Zach Morvant just for his awesome effort at the um, at the Tempest Fugit time trial. Not just to win one, but to win both uh, the P12 and 35 plus with a short gap between the two races is uh, that's darn impressive. Yeah, you asked him some good questions like about how much time between the two races, time difference between the two races. So you know. I'm not going to spoil that, so I'll <laughs> let you listen to that. Um, I would say uh, Riker, just for following along in his Chico time, and the whole TMBE team for kind of just closing everyone out at the uh, at the Santa Cruz Classic. Uh, biggest loser? You have anybody on your list for that? I think, you know, I opened with it's it's sunny and 70, and I'm happy, so there's no losers today. Oh, the sunny. Everybody's, everybody's a winner. When Kurt doesn't show up, you turn into this nice guy. I do. Kurt brings me down. <laughs> well, my loser is Kurt for not showing up. <laughs> Uh, actually it's, uh, Viviani saying oh. that it was the most disappointing, most disappointing loss of his career. Getting well again. Now is he, is he a loser for having lost or a loser for having claimed that as his biggest loss or is he I, just a loser? I, no, I actually, he's having an amazing year. Um, I don't know. Maybe both of those okay. a little bit. I mean, is, is he, um, he's not doing Flanders, is he? I, I don't know. I didn't check that. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, probably not. Uh, last little bit, little thing out there. Um, Lance Armstrong is missing the tour of Flanders. Some little thing that they're going to have there, uh, due to his, to family issues. What family issues do you suppose those are that are big enough to keep him from something he's had scheduled and promoting for the last several months? Let's speculate. On, Let's on speculate what he on considers it. family. I've heard various rumors about, you know, financial issues, having to sell his house and, all this other type of stuff. So it's uh, maybe the family issues are family of himself and he's just not able to get out there. I don't know. Well, he just went to Mexico for, for his kids, like like spring break he was talking about. So I don't know if it's money issues. I I know the lawsuits moving forward and they're going to have like some 50 witnesses. Right. That's a ball buster. So who knows? Who cares? Um, Anything else you have for you? The only thing I have on my my things that make you go hmm, um, I was looking at the uh, the Auburn flyer and, and registration form, and there there's not a women's P one two three race, and I don't know if that's an, an oversight, and I just didn't see it correctly, or if they're not incorporating that into the into the Omnium for the weekend. So, be curious to see how that shakes itself out. I looked at that as well after you brought it to my attention, and it says Omnium, right? Everything I think says Omnium though on the Winchester. So you'd expect to have an Omnium. You'd need it more than one day or one race. So, so maybe I didn't see it on something. I I don't know. Uh, maybe they just didn't have any registration pre-reg. And so, well, this was, I was looking at bike reg. So I guess (laughs) reg hasn't closed yet. Right. Seems a little premature. Maybe for that. Um, so if someone knows out there, maybe red kite guy or, you know, someone, is it red kite? Yeah. So there, I believe it's the Auburn crit and the and Winchester have both been rolled into the, red kite omnium so steve rosefield's a kind of helping put those on i know uh winchester is obviously being helped out by the body concepts racing team so maybe uh matt or some of the one of those guys can let us know if well they're, they're doing winchester and then victory velo is doing victory the velo, okay. crit. So, so we, maybe, we can check in with them to see all right yeah i mean we're not trying to pull any but we just hey it seems interesting uh one of the big um now when i say big i don't know maybe 
one of the fields is missing from registration. So we'll try to get to the bottom of that. If someone knows, uh, you can post it up on our Facebook page as well. So anything, any other little nuggets of knowledge you want to dispose on the crowd today? Nuggets of knowledge? No. How are you watching Flanders this weekend? Uh, that one, I don't believe it's on the NBC, so I'll probably, I'll probably pirate it and I'll probably do the same. It, that Cycling and, fans that or are probably the two races I actually get up early for and, and try to watch as much as I can. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're great races. Yeah, I'll do the same. It. Um, the, the, some of those pirate feeds seem to be getting better and better as the years go by too. So, I mean, yeah, uh, there's, I'm trying to remember which one it is, but, uh, anyway, I, I've been getting the last few weeks of stuff and so far my computer isn't totally corrupted. So yeah that, that's always risky i ended up buying the the nbc gold sports app in yeah. addition to my existing nbc gold that's covered through my my cable carrier and i think i've seen like one race of interest just because all the ones i want to see aren't covered by that yeah they'll have well they have the tour down under and then they'll have like perry nice but the nice thing is they have the full-on they had the full-on uh tour and vuelta i mean right. like daily yeah and as soon as it's up you know the next 10 minutes it's on replay so it's pretty cool you know you could do phone and everything else so right. find out if it, i don't know i don't even look to see where flanders so maybe we should check that out all right so that's it for uh, episode 50 stay tuned for the interview um but if you want to get in touch with us or to be notified about the podcast or whatever uh else we have in mind you can find us at on twitter um at b2w underscore podcast instagram it's the same b2w underscore podcast or facebook.com slash between two wheels and if you need to email us you could do it admin a-d-m-i-n at between two wheels.com and chris thank you for showing up yeah happy to be here kurt okay all silence from kurt and we'll talk to you guys later thanks